I'm old. You're not. Shut up. <gasps> You're hot. Ravi, get off Grinder. I mean, call me out. Boomer and the Millennial. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that was so wrong. Hi, we're back with Boomer and the Millennial, episode five. Five. Time flies, Robbie Roth. Time, time, time flies. I'm Cheryl Stern. I'm the baby boomer. And I'm Robbie Roth, and I am the Millennial. And we have an amazing guest with us today, Ali Stanton, who is 14. And she is in eighth some... grade. She's in eighth grade. Yes. And she's a Gen Z, guys. So, we have a segment called What Have You Been Up To Lately? Yes, we do. You Cheryl. Know what I've been up to? I've been teaching so much. The spring is a very busy teaching season. And I teach a class on Sundays with kids. Allie has actually been in this class on several oh. occasions. She's kind of graduated now <laughs> beyond that. But um, it's a class that I teach with um, kids ranging from age 6 to 14. And it's very challenging. I love them all dearly, but sometimes it's a little like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> it gets a little, a little wild. So I have, I've had a couple of interesting weeks. And so that's how you met. You. That's you were, how we actually yes. met a year ago. Yeah, just we, about. I, you took my spring class, and then we started working together privately. So, Allie, tell us a little bit about what you do. Where do you go to school? Um, I go to Trinity, which no, is... What's, yeah, what's Trinity? Trinity? Sounds fancy. Um, It's a private school on 91st in Columbus. Okay. Um, I've been going there since kindergarten. Wow. So oh, you've it's been, been a while with the same 60 people. <laughs> That's it? 60 yeah. people? Yeah, 60, 65 now, but they all came last year. Yeah. Wow. So... I'm just really curious, like, when you were born, did you just, like, get a cell phone to play with, and, and like, Instagram was already around when you were born? It like, was definitely around. Um, <laughs> I got a phone in fourth grade, <sighs> and I got Instagram in sixth grade, about halfway through the year. Wow. So how many, like, Snapchat so are you guys all about, like, followers? Oh, sorry. A lot of us are. I try to stay away from it, because it's just not, it's not healthy to be worrying about it, but... Wow. She's so See, healthy. So grown. <laughs> Say more about that. What does it do to you if you if you are following? I mean, there are so many people in my school that are so worried about it all the time. And it's like down to the very minute, like if their post doesn't get a certain amount of likes or they don't gain a certain amount of followers in a day, they freak out about it. And they genuinely get really, really anxious and really, really mm. upset about it. Wow. And it's just one of those things that I've always tried to be like, I'm not going to worry about that. Because there are so many bigger issues to be worried about. And regardless, it's just not healthy. Okay, well, you're. I think that's like a really amazing stance to have on it. And you're 14 years old, so when you say that there are bigger issues, like what do you mean by that? I mean, there's so much going on in our world. It's a little bit of a mess. Not gonna lie, <laughs> gonna be blunt so? here. <laughs> um, but it's just crazy, especially people at my school, which is you know a expensive, exclusive private school that all these people have been going to since they were children, that they don't realize that we're kind of living in a bubble of privilege mm. and wow. they're focusing on stuff like, you know, the trendy bag to get or how many followers they have or something like that. And not realizing that that's such a small problem to have. This is the hope for the future that you are. <laughs> I know. Are, right. Because I feel like a lot of people are stuck in that bubble of the bag and the followers. I mean, it's, it's the bag and it's the so, followers. The bag it's and the followers. It's title. literally like, <laughs> I mean, here we are when we talk every week about 
how how that affects your psyche and as you get yeah. older and like how the anxiety and the depression and the self-worth and feeling where to fit in and how successful you are and de- thinking that it all is about that when it's there's so much there's bigger, so much, so much more. more in the world and it's so it's easy really, to get hooked into all oh, of that 100 percent. so yeah. now do you feel like the rest of the kids in your school how do they feel about that or you know, do you get along with people well, or do you feel like it's really super clicky? Um, my school isn't super clicky, or at least my grade isn't. Um, particularly, we've always kind of gotten along, but there's definitely groups of people that you, you know, you'll have like one conversation with them, and just from the way they're talking, the way they're acting, you can tell that they don't really know how much privilege they have. So I try, I try not to get into arguments, especially with people that have like wildly different beliefs than I do at my mm. school. But it is. Like, there's a, there's a distinction between us. Like, I've, people have called me, like, I've heard that people have called me, like, the crazy activist person that's just, like, mm, trying to change everything. And I'm like, you know what? That's not offensive to me. I don't really care. No, do, you, do you feel... Ah, that's you know, we've been talking about labeling of activist versus ally and an advocate. advocate. So you could be an ally or an advocate for something. An activist takes you to the highest level. Right. Do you have a feeling about being labeled that way? Does it bother you? Um, it doesn't bother me because it's not something that would be offensive. You know, people try to take terms like feminist and they try to take terms like activist and they try to make them into insults and try to make them derogatory, which is just so stupid to me. Because they're good that's things. the one person that actually knows what's going on and is aware about the world. And they might have different opinions than you, but that's not a bad thing Doesn't either. make them a bad right. person, Exactly. And they're, I mean... It's fear-based. So in middle school, do you guys talk about like gender pronouns and like labels? And, and how do you identify yourself? And how how is that going for you? Are you guys there? I mean, I try to be as open as I can. Like when I meet a person... Like, especially in terms of pronouns, I want to make sure that I'm calling them by what they want to be called. Because it's... And how do you do that? What, what might you say I mean, to somebody? it's harder to ask directly, what are your pronouns? And yeah. also, there's, gen- like, there's definitely, like, my bias looking at someone and being like, oh, you look like a girl, or you look like a guy. And so then I won't ask. Right. And I've noticed that, and I've been like, why, like, why do I feel like I need to ask only with certain people? And it's because people present themselves in certain ways that seem stereotypically feminine or masculine. Right. And when there's something in between, I mean, most people are just like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> mm. We've been on that path, haven't we? Yes, So we have. do you, are you ever in a situation, like, this happened to me last week, I don't know if we talked about this, but um, I was doing a reading of a, of a new play, and it was the first rehearsal, and we're sitting around a table, and, you know, the curator of the reading asks us to go around the room, and they always tell you, say your name and what part you're playing, right? Well, this time, for the first time for me, they said, say your name, the role you're playing, and how you identify yourself. And for me, somebody who's lived this long, it seems fairly obvious what I would identify myself as. So right. it's, uh, it felt odd for me to participate in that, yet I understand it and I want to respect it. But it was hard for me to say, hi, I'm Cheryl Stern, I'm playing Judy, and I identify as female. And to hear someone from your generation who just, and you said this to me one day when we were working, you said, we're just humans, why can't we just be humans? And it, it just seems so much simpler coming from you, that it's just a, a, a given. And all this stuff that the even the millennials and the Gen Xers and us boomers are wrestling with, it feel like as time passes and people grow up 
that from this generation, it's going to be a non-issue. Well, it's also show, like you said, you've lived your whole life as an actress on Broadway and television. You go to your, you go to this table read, and for the first time ever, you have to identify your your pronoun. Yeah. And so I think that that is a little jarring for people that have been in the industry and that have been alive. You know, it's not about the industry. It's just like. You've been alive for so We're many years, formed. and then all of a sudden things change. It's like you know You've when we finally got a right. cell when cell phones came out. Like, yeah. right? What do I you do know? with this? Thing? I was alive when <laughs> cell phones first came out, and I didn't have one. And you know we had beepers, but you were alive before even beepers were I, came. Uh, <laughs> I was alive with the horse and buggy. No, <laughs> we talked about. It. I was uh, definitely before cell phones, and even when you were an understudy in a show, you had to have a beeper because there was no cell phone. Like doctors would have beepers yeah. on their belts, you know. So everything's shifted so greatly, so fast. But then to talk to you, who you're so sort of evolved and um, mature for your years, and yet you're 14 years old, and you, this is all just comfortable to you, and that it's a beautiful that's, thing that's, to be yeah. old. You know? Now yeah. there there is another thing I want to talk to you about. Um, Cheryl mentioned that you are starring in a production of High School Musical yes. as Gabrielle... Gabriela Gabriella. Montez, right? Yes. Okay. Gabriela Montez has normally played by an actress who is Hispanic. Yeah. Um, yes, I believe Usually. so. Okay. And who was the... Uh, Vanessa Hudgens, Vanessa Hudgens, right, yeah. Someone that's eth- ethnic? Yes. Ethnically diverse, diverse, certainly. And usually I would think of the Latino community is what's desired in the role. And I was, when when Allie and I first started working on it, I was like, we were just first working through the character and like, what does she want? And you know, and and who is this girl? And what are her circumstances? And yet I was really sort of fascinated with the fact that was anybody really addressing the issue of in this, in 2019, where it's become taboo to cast a Caucasian girl in this role, is anybody talking about it at school? Right. And was it an issue? It wasn't. I mean, part of it was that there are no Latina girls in my school. None. None in my grade, at least. So what are you supposed to do? So, yeah. (laughs) But I feel like it's it's different in, like, bigger movies and bigger productions, especially, like, in Hollywood and stuff like that, because representation is so important. And it's already so obvious that people of color do not get cast nearly as much as white people do in movies and TV shows and anything. Which is why it's important that if there's a character that should be played by a person of a certain ethnicity or a certain race, then they need to be played by an actor of that race. Because otherwise it's just, it's taking a role away from someone who actually deserves it and is actually embodies that character. And it's just making, I mean there's, you know, people of color sitting at home and they're like, there's no one on TV that looks like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I'm looking at the screen and I'm like, all these people are white. Well, yeah. So for you, though, for someone who is a little bit of an activist and for someone who is fighting for equality at such a young right. age, and, and how is that for you playing someone that's normally played by a Latino? It felt really uncomfortable at first because I was like, am I taking a role away from someone else who is a person of color that deserves it more than I do because I'm not Latina? That's like, that's just the way it is. Right. And I tried to think about it a lot, and I mean, part of it was there aren't any, you know, Latina girls in my school, and that her ethnicity doesn't really come up in the show, 
like at That's all. That's what we started discovering. So as it's we not wrong. Yeah. super important to the plot line, and it's not. I don't think it was written into the script anywhere that she has to be Latina or that mm-hmm. it's specified anywhere. So I felt uncomfortable about it at first, because especially like we did this one um, assembly during um, Latinx Heritage Month, and my Spanish teacher asked me if I would go and like help with this presentation they were doing, and I was like, okay. And I went up there, and I went to, like, the rehearsal, and I was like, why are we all white? Why is every single person in the Latinx Heritage Month presentation white? It's <laughs> a good point. Wow. And it was, it just felt kind of weird. I was like, all right, I don't, like, why am I up here speaking for these people? Like, mm. why, they can speak for themselves. Why don't we let them? Yeah, and what kind of response did you get from people? We, I mean, no one came up to me about it, but I'm sure people were sitting there, especially people that are Latinx that are sitting in the audience, and they're like, why is everybody white up there? Why didn't no one come up to me and ask me to be in it? Yeah, why didn't they? Don't know. I don't know. Fascinating. So interesting perspective for you to have and an interesting role for you to play. Something that came up in our sessions working on it, we were just, you know, aside from any sort of political agenda that we had about it, we were just going, okay, the character's name is Gabriela Montes. So how do we justify that for Ali Stanton mm-hmm. as she's developing this role? You know, and we, we thought, well, you know, why couldn't your father perhaps have been Latino and your mother's Caucasian? And um, you happen to look very Caucasian. And she said, that's so funny because tell me what you told me. <laughs> um, You're right here. <laughs> well, my dad is half Japanese on his mom's side. She was born in Okinawa. Um, wow. And Isn't this amazing? my mom's family has lived in Alabama for generations and generations. And she's, you know, white, blonde, blue eyes. And as a result, I am white and I have blonde hair, whatever you want to yeah, label my hair cool. as. And I don't look very typically Japanese. You know, if you look at me and you were to, and someone else were to look at me and they were to label me, they'd be like, yeah, she's white. And I identify as white because I don't experience any of the struggles that a person of color has to experience yes so and it's just interesting, interesting because that's right? an interesting way to say that though i feel like that because you don't experience any of the difficulties of that but what about like i mean spirituality or what about i mean how you were culturally, raised culturally was your grandmother a big influence in your life um she was and she was she was very important to me while she was alive Aww. and we she would make us every time, like, she um, lived in Alabama, but every time she were to come to New York or we were to go there, she would make us Japanese food, and she would kind of show us, like, teaching me and my brother how to use chopsticks and I stuff like it. that. And mm. she gave me one of her kimonos that she had when she was a, when she was my age. Um, and it was... It's not like no one in my family speaks the language, so it's not, it's not like it's super integrated into our household, okay. the culture, but... It's, it was still so interesting to me. Like, when I was in third grade, we were doing... Our assignment was to make a presentation on an aspect of our identity. And I was like, oh, huh. my grandmother my grandmother was in town, like, that week. So I was like, oh, my God, let me do it on, like, how I'm Japanese. I'm so excited. And, you know, I was like... <laughs> I made this whole, like, presentation oh. about it, this whole slideshow. I was so excited. And then it came and I started presenting, and everyone was like, you're not Japanese. <gasps> it's fascinating. I was like... What? So you were like, being like okay. ostracized so, or criticized for not looking uh, Japanese, even though you were cl- you were expressing the truth. Yeah. That, that okay. So that is where I then go to this place in my head of, we're talking about when you see a person and you're not sure what gender pronoun they are. It could be male, could be female, could be they, and you aren't sure and you, 
there's that there's that element and then there's somebody looks at you and you look like a caucasian person so is there any sort of like an assumption that we put on people of race now not talking yeah. about labeling for um not talking about gender now but talking strictly race and then speak and then if we take that and we bring it to the industry um you know say if this production of aladdin and you look like you're white you do not look like you are Middle Eastern, but you're, you know, you could have a relative that is, or you uh, yeah, say you go you in for Flower Drop Song or Miss yeah. Saigon. And, and nobody you, would cast you in Miss Saigon. You would be, they and they would talk, they, right. would, they wouldn't allow it. And then, and then what do you do? Write an article or write a letter saying, yes. hi, I, this is my birth certificate or this right. is my family lineage. And that's something that's not really talked about much. Mm-hmm. It's much more about rooting for and supporting the people that are of color and other ethnicities. And that is important. And I'm not knocking that, but. Right. I think that's... It's fascinating, fascinating stuff. It's very interesting. I'm thinking about our friend who Ravi and I worked with in a show, and she's she's Asian, but she's half Asian. Her, her father is Caucasian, and her mother is Korean, and she looks very, very Korean. So she's become quite an activist for the Asian community. But I'm thinking, what if she looked like her dad? Right. Would she right. still be... Um, defending what she's defending or would she not be allowed to because she doesn't right. look like it she's not representing the and culture. she and she's a very I mean, big activist in terms of like if she gets an audition for an Indian role or for a Chinese role she will not accept that because she doesn't feel like that is even though she is in the ethnic bracket she doesn't feel like that's authentic which I right. you know wow. you, were, you were saying that as well um, but you can go in for Japanese roles now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think anyone would take you seriously about no, it. No, they're going to go, well, no, she can't do Miss Saigon. And that is, um, is that a double standard? I don't know. I, 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 mean, I have issues with, with all of this. And I know sometimes I'm unpopular because of, but because of it. But I think we have to get it out on the table and talk right. about all of it. Because sometimes, yeah. You know, it is a bit of a double standard. If if that's in your heritage and you were raised with knowledge of this and part of your culture, maybe you would be the best person for the job because you right. really get it. So why should you not be allowed because of the way you look instead of who you are? So that's a oh. lot to look at, right? Because now this we're now they're well, right because now they're also really taking into consideration like um, being gender fluid with a lot of casting, but not ethnically fluid and not right. ethnically um, very much based on a look versus what an really, actuality. I yeah, mean, I've right. never talked about this before. I've never met someone that is looks as white as you. Yeah, I don't I mean know. that in like a, a, no, <laughs> in no, any no. way, but you look pretty, pretty damn white. Well, she's pretty white. <laughs> I'm pretty white. <laughs> right? It, oh. You could have blown me over a feather when we had this discussion the other day. And right, then, and then you go in for an audition and, and you I'm sing like... like it's, it just conjures so many issues that we haven't addressed, that aren't the popular ones right, right. now. But I guess I'm just always looking to really like peel the onion all the way. Yeah. Because there's a lot. There's well, a lot to I mean, look I at. hope eventually it comes down. I mean, I don't know where it's going to go in the future gender-wise, but I do hope in the future that it just goes down to the best... Person, the for best the person for the job. However they identify, I however they look. That. Yes. Right? Best right. person for the job. Best person for the job. I mean, if there's a specific, specific, sh- I don't know, but then we get to the specific, specific shows. Right. Where it's like. But we were talking about this too. I brought it up to Ali about the whole scandal with, not scandal, but the issue with West Side Story. Was it like a year ago? 
when there was a production and it was Sierra Burgess mm. was cast, a, a white right. actress was cast in the role of Maria and the whole Latino community went insane and asked her to step down from the role because she should say no to it because it wasn't fair that she got this part. And so she did. Okay, but to be, I don't know to, what to do with that. There was an article that came out on the cast of Aladdin saying that like, like twenty of the people were not even Middle Eastern background, and there's enough people in New York City that they can that cast they can yes. definitely yes. cast a Middle Eastern cast. Yeah. Oh, it's so mixed up. It's just very mixed up right now, and I feel like I I won't rest till we get clear on this and we get true. True equality yeah. for everybody. I know that sounds so no, kind of simplistic, sound corny or but simplistic. Because it's making me crazy. Because I feel like sometimes now we're just overdoing it to be accepted and right. be politically correct and to fill quotas and to and every theater company is looking to just like look, we did it. We did right. diverse the casting. Token, the token. And to me, that's more offensive. Yeah. Than just casting the best people for the role. It's, well, right. I mean, you get the, but you gotta make. You have to be able to make, you a statement. That. You have to make yeah, a statement. You have to make a statement as, as you know, a theater company. And I, I don't know if that, you at the end of the day, is like, is that? It's tricky. It's really tricky, it's right? So we weird. get at a loss for words about it. It's rough. it's like in this day and age where there's still so much discrimination amongst genders and races and sexuality yes. and everything like that. It is really important to have accurate representation of minorities in Agreed. film and, you know, in live theater and everything like that. But the hope for me is my dream, yes. if I may, <laughs> is that one day it's just not going to matter. Yay! Because we're all humans and mm. there's really nothing that different about us. And it sounds corny, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And the, <sighs> I mean, just one day where whoever's the best for the job can get cast... Because there's no white privilege and there's no discrimination against any minority. And, you know, maybe it's never going to happen, but... I think it I will mean, with, that's you guys, with you guys in I think charge. Yeah, will. I mean, I think that the millennials have definitely, like, taken the whip yeah, and, and started the action. True. But the Absolutely. Gen Z is going to... You guys are going to take over the world. You're going to take over all the powerful tech jobs. You're going to take over the creative jobs. You're going to make this country... Hopefully the world, but mainly U.S. Like super diverse and super um, inclusive. No uh, pressure, Allie. <laughs> no, but you are, and you guys are already doing it. I mean, there's they so many are. entrepreneurs, and I'd say the millennials too, and the baby boomers and the Gen Xers. They're yeah, they're along the ride trying. and they're trying to figure it out. I mean, but we're all trying to we're figure it out. We're too worried. Nobody, nobody knows how to. <laughs> nobody knows. We're too hypersensitive and too worried. Just pretending they know what's going on in politics, but none of us really know. Nobody what's really going on knows, politics. do we? Oh my god. No. No one does. But I, I do believe with this sort of just naturally inclusive mindset that things will change in 20 years. In 15 years, you'll be out and about running the world. So, And it's it's truly the only hope I have when we're sitting in this really quagmire of a, of a world right now. Yeah, quagmire. Very, quagmire. Very baby boomer of you. Is, it, <laughs> is that word a baby boomer word? I don't have know. Have you heard quagmire? Really? No. You don't know quagmire? I mean, I've heard only Quick, from you. Tom, look it up. How do you define quagmire? It's like a big soup, right? You're just stuck in a big soupy, soupy mess oh of unsolvable issues. And the only hope I ever have is when, and that's why I love teaching, is when, when I meet someone like Allie and I go, okay, and we meet somebody like Allie B, who mm -hmm. was our guest, you know, I go, it's changes are coming. <laughs> you know? And instead of being afraid of the youth of America, I guess that's what I would say 
to my generation is em- embrace them and, and look to them for hope because I really believe in that. I love that, Cheryl. I do. I want, so we, we end this show. Yeah. Um, we end this segment, the show. We end our, our conversation um, <laughs> every week with a challenge. So the challenge can be anything that maybe you want to work on outside the box or something you want to challenge yourself for for the week. So Cheryl, what is your challenge for the week? My challenge is to lower my expectations of myself. That's a good one. Uh, yes, it's in dealing with, I'm dealing with the health care of my mother right now, and it's very challenging, and a uh, relative of mine said that to me today and said, you have to stop trying to make everything perfect. It's impossible. So that's wow. my work this week. I'm going to lower the expectations wow. of what I have to do. That's a really good one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Cousin Michael Slater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, my challenge for the week is I always look at everything super big picture. So, um, you know, I'm editing a video from Chile and I'm like, I have to get this video done. But instead, breaking things down into smaller segments of life. So Mm -hmm. a little chunk of this, an hour on this a day, or half an hour on this a day, maybe 45 minutes at the gym or whatever, instead of like, I need to get snatched and I need to finish this video and I have to present this real, and then I get overwhelmed with anxiety. So I want to really work on smaller chunks and making more meaningful work than big picture. Excellent. That's a really good one. Love it. And Allie? Tough act to fall. Um, <laughs> um, I want to work on, when I go into a situation, to not immediately overanalyze everything that's going on. To not, like, make a huge deal out of one little thing that happens in my day. Because, I mean, it'll happen that, like, someone will say something to me in the morning that just kind of makes me anxious or makes me kind of stressed out. And then I'm thinking about it for the rest of the day, and I waste so much time mm-hmm. doing that. You know, there's so much of my life that I spent, like, sitting there, not paying attention to anything that's going on, because all I can think about is that one thing yes. that's stressing me out. And, and it clouds that's, the rest of the day. Yeah. And, I mean, there's so much good to focus on that I'd rather be focusing on. So that's my challenge for the I week. Love I love it. That. Okay, so I know you don't care about followers, but the people want to follow you. <laughs> are you private or are you public? Um, I am public. Okay, so what, how do you, what do you do, what's your Instagram handle? My Instagram is Allie.Stanton. Allie's A-L-L-Y. Great. And do you do the other thing? No one does. You guys do Snapchat, Snapchat. really? Yes. Okay. Well, that's your Snapchat name. My Snapchat is the same. Allie.Stanton. Easy. Amazing. Follow her. She's awesome. She's going to change the world. Yeah. And if y'all have any questions about the Gen Zers and the millennials, the boomers, anything we talked about today, you want to chime in, challenge us. You have issues with it. You want to challenge us. Feel free. We're ready to take yes. it on. Email us at boomerandthemillennial.com. At gmail.com. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Say it again. Email <laughs> us boomerandthemillennial at gmail.com. And Cheryl, how do you spell millennial? With two L's and two N's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>